0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week of the Houston Sports Weekly podcast. Remote for at least this first segment today. I'm Randy McAvoy here in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. We spent a few days here alongside Texans Insider for ClickToHouston.com, Aaron Wilson. It's been a busy week, and it's going to continue now as you're watching or listening this podcast uh, as players continue to work out representatives from teams We'll continue to stay in Indianapolis for the next few days as well to wrap up business and continue the scouting of all these prospects. Aaron, over 300 made their way to Indianapolis this week. Uh, Team personnel were here. You're here every year. This thing keeps getting bigger and better, doesn't it?
1: It's a gigantic event, a real tentpole event on the NFL offseason schedule. And you think about – what it started out as was just a way to get medical information to sort of have a standardized clearinghouse and it's become a absolutely entertainment event there are high ratings for this people want to watch these guys run the 40 yard dash bench press (laughs) they wish they could watch the interviews i would be a fly on the wall for anything if i could see that to know what they ask these guys that would be so entertaining
0: that's the cool thing because they get time with these guys um what 15 minutes or so you don't You don't find out a lot about them, but if you have structured questions, which they all do, you're going to find out a little bit about the makeup of all these guys, which is very important for every team.
1: Right. People jokingly refer to it as speed dating because it is on the clock, and then you go and meet with someone else. And the thing about it is for these guys, they have to sell themselves a bit, but mostly what the teams want is honesty. If there's been an incident, be accountable about it. Don't lie. They have all the information. They know a lot. They have NFL security. They do background checks. That's the character component. But they also want to know about your family, you know, what's important right. to you. What are you all about? And if they put you on the whiteboard, which is the chalkboard, and they want you to diagram a play, you better be ready because <laughs> they're going to find out right then how much you know about football.
0: Absolutely. Now, we've heard a little bit about, which I think is really cool, because I'm with you. I'd love to be a fly on the wall during these discussions. So they take the Wonderlick uh, test. But it's now called something different now. This, it's kind of a—it's been out there on social media this week. It's a new uh, new name for the test, a new way they go about uh, finding out more about these prospects. But for many many years, it was the wonderlick test, and we heard a lot about it. But. Uh, they do whatever it takes to find out about these kids. Right. The
1: Wonder League test mostly tests logic, not knowledge, and they want to see how fast you can answer the questions, so what's your ability to process information? This one tests how do you deal with stress, which I think is very important, mm-hmm. and a guy that tested really well, he was the Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft, but he did great on this test, and look how he performed Brock Purdy, the 49ers quarterback. Wow, what a and story. And look how poised he was, Absolutely. and so this test, they believe, that it meant something, and guess who has tested very well off the charts, apparently? Bryce Young. There you go. So he is not only talented, he's also very smart and able to think on his feet.
0: Uh, You know, the Texans contingent was here. We had a chance to catch up with Mark Vandermeer, John Harris as well during the course of our stay uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, Earlier in the week, I want to get your take before we get to some D'Amico Ryan sound here. Uh, General Nick Casario came to town. Um, What were your initial kind of takeaways from... Uh, his presentation at the podium, he seemed very upbeat, very relaxed, very complimentary of D'Amico Ryan's and the start that they're off to, uh, what, a few weeks on the job right now. So his demeanor, the upbeat,
1: positive, happy Nick Cassario that we saw at the press conference when they introduced D'Amico Ryan's and that he also mirrored at this, I'm told that behind the scenes it is exactly like that. Right. So this is not some act. This is Nick Casario truly excited And I'm hearing the collaboration, they were talking about the collaboration between him and D'Amico, it actually is good. That's what I'm hearing, that it's just, it's matching up. And so far, these guys have been a nice mesh. And that's what the Texans need. They need some teamwork from these guys.
0: It's been nonstop work for these guys as they kind of put their ducks in a row and and lay out the vision and the plan. That's the important thing when you have a new regime coming in because we all know when the draft arrives in late April, we're approaching 50 days out now. Number two overall pick, number 12 overall pick, right out of the gates as it stands right now in the first round. They've got to all be on the same page.
1: Right. We've heard the word alignment. They used to use it in the Bill O'Brien, Brian Gain era.
0: Truly, there was not alignment. Now, I feel like there is alignment. All right. So, Nick Casario spoke. Did anything jump out at you? I mean, he didn't. Yeah. A typical. We weren't expecting anything to be given away. but. He gave a little bit of insight. You know, he was not opposed to a Laramie Tunsil contract
1: extension. He was very respectful. He talked about the respectful dialogue they've had with Laramie. That hasn't begun yet. They haven't actually started, like, real contract talks. But he's open to the idea, and I think
0: that means there's a chance. All right, so uh, Nick Casario was here on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday head coach D'Amico Ryan's uh, paid a visit. He was smiling. Everybody was really happy to see him, and he was popular. Absolutely with the media. a lot
1: of people wanted to have time with him glad that you got some time with him and that he was able to Share some more insights additional to what his vision is for this program And you think about the Miko Ryans. I mean, I'm walking We're going to Harry and Izzy's good restaurant here by the way a little plug for yeah. these guys a spicy shrimp cocktail I'm passing st. Elmo's and Omar Khan the Steelers GM stops me on the street. He says Houston Got a coach, it. yeah. yeah we a lot. I, yeah. I didn't approach him. He knows I'm from Houston, he, yeah. and he's a very respected guy. Yeah. I, this has happened all week, yeah. you guys, it's are talking about D'Amico. It's
0: been a great story. All right, right now we're going to listen in, and then we'll finish up this segment. We're going to listen in to some extended sound from the head, uh, new head coach of the Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans, He took to the podium. He met with the national reporters and a group of us locally as well on Wednesday here in Indianapolis. Listen in to Texans head coach, D'Amico Ryans.
2: Yeah, very excited about the coaches that we were able to hire. I think starting with uh, Bobby Slowick as our offensive coordinator. Bobby is a, a tremendous coach, right? He's a, one of the smartest coaches I've been around. Always looking to grow, looking to learn more. Bobby has helped me as a coach grow. So I'm very excited to see Bobby get with our players. And guys are going to be fired up. He brings great energy. He's a great teacher. And the guys he's been around, they they love him. So then on the defensive side, you know, adding Matt Burt, another guy's passionate coach. He's a really great teacher, energetic, uh, very knowledgeable coach. And I'm excited about what he can do, what he can bring to our team. I think our guys are gonna love him. Then on the special teams front, you know, with Frank Frank uh, Ross being there, the special teams did an awesome job in previous years there, and just to keep him in place, keep some continuity there with our special team. He. He's teaching the same style that I wanna play on offense and defense. It's an aggressive attacking style and I'm fired up to have have Frank as well. Yeah, it's been awesome working with Nick. We hit the ground running. It hasn't been many breaks or much rest. So we've hit the ground running just, and Nick has been awesome to work with. Nick is a very knowledgeable guy, right? And I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be a part of a team that has a GM in place who has so much experience, right? So much to a guy that I can bounce ideas off of. He's seen it done many ways, seen a lot of different players and just having his knowledge and his experience has really been very beneficial to me. So I'm, I'm excited to work with Nick and it's been a, a very smooth transition, smooth process. Uh, communication has been awesome working with Nick and we see the game the same way, which is, which is great, right? We see the game the same way, see players the same, so it's uh, it'll be It'd be really nice uh, to continue to work with him. All right, our coaches are back. They are going through uh, their scheme. Coaches are implementing schemes on the offensive and defensive side, so they're going through scheme work. But they're also evaluating free agents in the process as well. So we've talked about, you know, our profile of players that we that we look for we've went through that process. So offensively and defense, we know the type of guys that we're looking for. So our coaches are just coming through to make sure that there are a lot of great free agents out there, but every free agent isn't for us. So we want to make sure we get guys who are scheme fits and guys who fit exactly what we want them to do. Uh, we'll see how that process goes and see how it fits. Uh, we have some good players there and we're in San Fran and we'll see. It's uh, You have guys that you know Right, that's uh, kind of it's easier to work with guys, you know. But it's all about you know finding the right guys for the Texans, right? And that's what we that's what we'll do throughout this process. What do you think about, quarterback? about quarterback, all right. Quarterback, uh, we have one quarterback on the roster, right? So we have to add at that position, and we'll do it through free agency and the draft. We have to add two guys to our roster. So looking to find the best guys that we can add. Then there's a uh, good group of quarterbacks in free agency and in the draft. Yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one day at a time, all right? And I'm not really focused on what happened in the past, but where we are right now and moving forward with, with our organization. I feel really good about the staff we have in place. I feel good about our process and how we're working together to help build a successful team. And uh, what happened in the past is the past, but we're moving forward with what we have right now. I think I'm relatable to guys because I've been in these guys' shoes. Right? I I played the game. I've been here through this combine process. I've played the game, played at a high level. I understand what players go through not not only on the field, but it's off the field where guys are pulling in a lot of different directions. So, understand that the the for you to be able to be a good coach, you have to be able to connect with guys. Right? And it's not just about telling guys what to do. It's being on that level with the guys where they have a true mutual respect for you and you guys truly feel that I have their best interests at heart and that's the only thing I care about is it's developing great men on the field and off the field and I'm I'm indebted to those guys I want to see them be as successful as possible see them create great lives for their families moving forward that's my connection with players.
0: All right, great to hear D'Amico Ryans here in Indianapolis really open up about all things Texans, and I like the way he's already carrying himself as a head coach. He's stepping into that role right now, and he's not even on the field yet.
1: Very personable, very approachable guy. You know, the thing about D'Amico's press conferences, they're not just entertaining. He gives real information and real answers, just authentic. And I think he really hasn't changed. From people that know him, you know him a long time, this is who D'Amico Ryans is. So I think this is just the start. And we'll have more to talk about once some action happens. You know, they start signing some guys and start playing some football games. But this is a great start.
0: I want to ask you real quick before we wrap up this segment on the Houston Sports Weekly podcast, his staff. He he, he hit on that. He addressed that. He really has a good staff coming in. I know he's really pleased with. He's surrounded himself with some top-notch quality talent.
1: Absolutely. You think about Bobby Slowick, who's a coach's son. 35 years old. He came up with D'Amico in the defensive side of the room. Right. They worked really closely together when they were just like on the bottom rung of the coaching ladder. So this guy's worked his way up, and I love that he had support because he is a first-time play caller. So Bill Lazor and Shane Day, who have both called plays in NFL games, been offense coordinators, he has some support. He has some really sounding boards, and that's when you have a mix of youth, And experience, and I think it was very intentional the way they put the staff together.
0: All right, about 15, 20 seconds. What's coming up in the weeks ahead now after the NFL scouting combine is over? What's next?
1: Right. It's time to negotiate. It's free agency time. <laughs> First, with your own free agents and a little bit of, you know, planting some seeds, perhaps. You know, people have like little general discussions. Yeah. John Weeks got paid. John back. Yeah, and, shout out to John yeah, Weeks. Almost fully guaranteed the whole contract. It's Very great. close to guaranteed. Taylor Stallworth's back. You're going to see more of these re signings. So, a lot of the guys are going to be back and they're going to have more meetings. They're going to talk with guys. And I expect the Texans to re sign some of their other free agents before the start of free agency, and the official start. And
0: Brandon Cooks, do you think they can somehow figure it out or you think his days are numbered now?
1: Well, figure it out in the sense of getting him accommodated and off or the staying. roster. Or staying. I was going to say, I there's a chance think he can stay. No, I mean, there's a chance. I mean, as Mike Tomlin so aptly said one time, and said it many times, I should say, you want volunteers, not hostages.
0: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well put by Mike Donlin. All right, good stuff. Uh, he is Aaron Wilson, uh, the Texas insider, and a great writer nationally and locally as well. Click to Houston.com. Great to chat with you. Great Thank to spend you, some time here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis and spending time here on the Houston Sports Weekly Podcast. En-
1: enjoyed it. Thank you very much.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ari Alexander has much more as the Houston Sports Weekly Podcast continues.
3: Welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly. Great conversation there in our first segment with Aaron Wilson and Randy McAvoy out in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. Lots to do for the Houston Texans uh, when it comes to this draft. 13 picks, potential quarterback up there at the top of the draft, and I saw one thing that I would love that I don't actually think makes a lot of sense. Um, Sean Salisbury, friend of the program uh, at 790, mentioned the Texans could pick. Running back from University of Texas, Bijan Robinson at uh, number 12, which I don't make, think makes a whole lot of sense because they have Damian Pierce. And that running back position is so devalued that you could get a guy who's like 80% as good as B. John Robinson in like the fifth round. Uh, not to say that I don't think, uh, of course, if you watch Sports Sunday, you know my feelings about B. John Robinson, which are all incredibly positive. Covered the kid in high school when he was at South Point Catholic in Tucson. Thought he was an incredible player and a great young man and uh, I think he proved that very, very well at University of Texas where he won the Doak Walker Award and did a number of uh, community events up there in Austin and has just kind of all-around showed that uh, he's got a chance to be one of the faces of the NFL if he plays well in the league uh, just based on his personality, who he is, and the the talent and skill set he has uh, both on the field and the connections that he makes in the community. But uh, here in the second section, we're going to talk not about football, but about college basketball, because March Madness is here. It is March. It's coming up. The University of Houston Cougars are your number one team in the country. It's an advantageous spot. They will likely be, if unless something disastrous happens, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and it's going to be tough to knock them off. They're the type of team that you just do not want to play in March, as uh, the Arizona Wildcats found out last year. Uh, they had Benedict Matherin, who is a lottery pick. They had this very talented team. They like to run up and down the court. And the Houston Cougars uh, are just such a good team at dictating pace. They will grind you down and offensive rebound you and 50-50 ball you to death. And that's that's what happens. And so not only are they tough to play no matter what seed they are, they could be a four seed, five seed, six seed, or whatever. They're always just a, a bad matchup because of the pace and style of play that they play at is very different from a lot of teams that win on athleticism. So if they play against uh, like a slow-paced team that runs uh, the, uh, the pack line defense like a Virginia or Wisconsin or whatever, they can play at that pace. They can grind you down too. Or if they play like a running gun team like in Arizona, they will just control that pace and slow you down. I think that's why it's very tough to beat the Houston Cougars. Really the only chance you have – is if your guys are hitting shots at a ridiculous rate or you're significantly more athletic than them, which is very difficult to do because they're very athletic, or Houston is just not hitting shots. So they've only lost two games this year, one to Alabama and a close one, and Alabama is going to be a one seed and one to Temple. And that was a game where they just weren't hitting shots. They weren't making free throws. They weren't executing. And I think that's kind of the only way that you can beat the University of Houston Cougars otherwise. They're, to some degree, going to out everything you. And uh, senior night this week against Wichita State, they have one more conference game against Memphis. The AAC is locked up. I think they'd have to lose twice to get knocked out of a one seed. If they lose one of these games and then win the conference, they're a one seed. If they win these games and they get upset in the conference tournament, they're a one seed. I think they would have to lose twice, maybe twice to the same team, uh, even, you know, if they lose to Memphis at their last game of the year and then they lose to Memphis in the conference tournament, you could see, well, why are we making this team a one seed if Memphis is 2-1 and one against them? Uh, I don't think you have all that much to worry about. I think the Cougars are probably going to go into the NCAA tournament with just those two losses that they have. What are they, 27-2, and two, they'll be 29-2, and two, and then they'll win three, so they'll be like 32-2 and two or something like that going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, are, they have been an absolute monster this year so uh as far as other ncaa teams with a legit shot we'll pull up um the college basketball polls here and we know the university of texas is very good purdue is very good ucla is ranked highly in the country marquette is having a good year baylor texas gonzaga Tennessee has been good and going down um, a little bit. They've had a loss here and there, and Texas a and in the top twenty-five. So, but I'm looking at all these teams, and other than Alabama, who's beaten Houston in two close games the last two years, and maybe Kansas, just because you know the quality of player that Kansas has year in and year out, I just these teams don't scare me. I would be shocked if Houston doesn't make it to the final four unless you run into like a Purdue, like maybe, you know, a Purdue is a tough matchup. Other than that, man, I'm looking at this, this poll of these highly ranked teams. And I mean, I guess Virginia could grind you down, but they kind of play the same pace stylistically that U of H does. And other than that, I mean, some of these, these like the big tens really good, but they kind of beat each other up. I'm uh, definitely not scared of Xavier. I think we know what a Kelvin Sampson coach team would do to a Sean Miller coach team. TCU has been good. They're in the top 25. They, got, uh, they have some talent from the Houston area. It's going to be a fun NCAA tournament, but I think if you're a Houston Cougars fan, you have a reasonable expectation of making the Final Four. I think that the Final Four this year should be expected, and then as we know how difficult it is to win, once you get there – you know, then you see what happens. But I think that making a final four or put it this way, if Houston doesn't make a final four, I think it's okay to be disappointed last year. They made the elite eight, uh, on a team that lost a bunch of players that were kind of reloading with, um, grad transfers. And that was great. You made the final four the year before you made the run. You had the good team. You took a step back and you made the elite eight. That's, that's a phenomenal season. It's hard to beat that, um, this year, though, Marcus Sasser's back. He didn't have Marcus Sasser last year. Jairus Walker is a projected lottery pick, and I've seen him as high as five. Uh, the Athletic, I think, had him at five. So you have a lottery pick. You have a potential Naismith uh, Player of the Year candidate and Marcus Sasser, and then you have your general, like, kelvin Sampson role players of a bunch of guys that do all the right things on the court and rebound and hit shots and play together and and play defense and go for 50 50 balls and like juan roberts has really stepped up lately and he's one of those guys he was averaging like three points a game last year and i think that in this program it's great because kelvin Sampson will go hey even if you're not a top recruit, you do the right things, you wait your turn, you're going to get your shots. And look what's happened. Juwan Roberts had games of 26 and 20 um, recently, and he's a guy who averaged three points a game last year. He was not, he's not there to be a scorer. He's not there to be a first option. Marcus Sasser is your first option, then Tremont Mark, then Jairus Walker, and then you got Emmanuel Sharp. you got all these guys, and, and Joan Roberts is somehow dropping 20 and 26 uh, in consecutive games because there's there's a spot for him. Uh senior night, there's a guy like Reggie Chaney where he just does all the right things and every once in a while they're going to run some plays for Reggie Chaney or Reggie Chaney's going to get a few offensive rebounds and go put that thing back up and suddenly you look up and Reggie Chaney's got 10 and 8 and and he's playing well. And so I just think that they're they're such a well put together, tough to face, deep team. It's hard to play. I mean, you got you lost Fabian White, you lost, you know, you lost good players, Kyler Edwards, you know, those guys. And you still have what is probably a better team than last year's team because Jairus Walker is a lottery pick because Marcus Sasser's back from his foot injury. So if you are a Houston Cougars fan, I think Final Four is a reasonable expectation. So we got about five minutes here. And for the last five minutes, of course, we will discuss Astros spring training. I wanted to talk about a couple of young guys that uh, have been showing out. Justin Durden has been the hot name. There's not really a spot for him on the Astros roster right now. He's a corner outfielder, plays left and right. The good thing about a guy like Chaz McCormick, where he's the center fielder, McCormick is also capable of playing left and right. You don't really need a right fielder because Kyle Tucker will play 150-plus games a year. Um, But in left field, there's a whole bunch of guys. Jake Myers could conceivably play left and right. Uh, McCormick is probably by trade more of a left fielder than a center fielder, but he's played defense at center excellently uh over the last year and obviously in the World Series and the playoffs. Yordan Alvarez plays left field, Michael Brantley plays left field, but there is a chance for Justin Durden because right now, and Dana Brown mentioned this during one of the games, Yordan Alvarez hasn't gotten into a game yet. That hand, the hands are still bothering him. He should be ready for opening day. He should start. Uh, getting into games, swinging a bat, middle of the way through March, through spring training. But what if there's a setback? So that's something a guy like Justin Durden would keep his eye on. Michael Brantley, uh, still haven't seen him yet. He's apparently swinging and and getting ready to get in the swing of things. We'll see if he's ready for opening day again. If not, then do you bring up, you know, do you put in Durden who's replacing one-to-one an outfielder or a guy like J.J. Matajewik who's been solid uh, in spring training and he can play a little left. He's got a bit of time. He played in the left in the minor leagues, even though he's probably more of a natural first baseman and, and kind of more of a DH more than anything. Um, do you do you put him up there, especially when you have a guy like a David Hensley who could also probably you stick him out in the left and he won't kill you there and plays four other positions? Or Mauricio Dubon, you could probably stick out in the left. Uh, but Justin Durden's making his case. he got a couple home runs he he's just been hitting the ball well and so that's a guy to watch worst case scenario for him i mean it's really not that bad of a scenario cuz he he was in double a most of the year and then spent a little time in triple a you'll see him in sugarland he'll be in triple a for a whole lot of the time and then if they need him there's a number of guys that i think the astros system is excited about who are probably ready to contribute in some way at the major league level not saying they'll be you know like a superstar or whatever um but they could probably contribute to someone, probably like a bad team, right? Like right now, uh, JJ Matajewicz is a good example of this. I think there's like eight teams in the league. You can just stick him at DH or first base, say you got 550 at bats and he'll hit 240 with 25 home runs and be, you know, a positive player. He just doesn't have that role with the Astros because they have so many good players that are blocking him. Uh, Justin Durden's kind of like that. Joe Perez is a guy that's been around the system for a long time. He's kind of been hurt here and there, but like, he uh, he got called up very briefly last year, and he could probably be a backup third baseman or or whatever for someone, right? And it's just tough to break through that with the Astros. Another guy I want to bring up quickly, um, got a couple of minutes here, is um, is Cesar Salazar, part of that catcher battle. I don't think he's going to beat out Yander Diaz and Corey Lee for the backup catcher spot to Martín Maldonado, but I think he's the next guy up after that. I think he is C four catcher four in the organizational depth chart behind Maldonado, behind Lee, behind Diaz, uh, and then there's Cesar Salazar. And it's a really good question of, you know, one, the Astros didn't sign Wilson Contreras to a long-term deal, partially because, uh, and Maldonado has talked about, he didn't want to take a bench roll. He believes that with his game-calling ability and his defense that he should be the starter, at least the the halftime platoon starter. And he wouldn't be doing that if, if they got... Wilson Contreras is one of the best catchers in baseball. He was now in the Cardinals. Um, but after his contract ends after this year. So do you bring back Maldi on another on a one-year deal? And, you know, he doesn't really give you anything on offense. Or you have all of this year, or at least up to the trade deadline, to figure out are Yiner Diaz and Corey Lee the future? Is maybe just those two are your split? Diaz for offense, Lee for defense. Can Lee's game calling improve and its feel improve to the point of where you don't need Martin Maldonado anymore or you don't need to trade for a vet at the deadline? That was something I thought that they could get a guy like a Jacob Stallings, um, who had really good catching numbers in 2021, but not good in 2022, but would have come, you know, relatively cheap prospect cost. Um, Or a Tucker Barnhart, who ended up signing with the Cubs, who I think would have come at a relatively cheap prospect cost from the Tigers at the time. And they ended up going with Christian Vasquez, which worked out great. And now Vasquez signed a three-year, $30 million deal with the Twins. So, like, that worked out for everyone. So, Corey Lee, Niner-Diaz, and the last thing we'll talk about before we sign off here, those guys need to prove not only to make sure the Astros don't trade for someone at the deadline, but also that they don't need to get another catcher for 2024. This has been Houston Sports Weekly. Thanks for watching. And, of course... Follow along on TV and online at ClickToHouston.com and on the KPRC2 Plus app. March, it's madness. Baseball starts at the end of the month, and March madness starts in just a couple of weeks. Thanks for watching.